Shut up and sit down. Yes, what's up guys? Welcome back to the show. This is episode 61 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast. I'm your host, Daryl, as always. Thanks for joining us. Good to have you here. End of the week show. Um, and I can't believe I'm on 61 episodes. It's absolutely, absolutely a bit nuts. Um, but this week's been busy, uh, but I definitely want to get a show out uh, before we packed it all in and called it a weekend. So um, yeah, so so off we go. Um, it's been an interesting week, very busy week for me. I've been working very strange hours dealing with a client in America, you know, and, and obviously the place is so huge that, you know, working with somebody in New York is one thing, but working with uh, someone in LA uh, is a different thing because it's tough to keep fluid communication going because of the time zone. So I've had to stay up a little later than I wanted, had to get up a little earlier than I wanted, but uh, but those are the sacrifices, I suppose. So get that money in for uh, for the end of the quarter and you know we're off and running for the year. Uh, that's kind of my nine to five stuff anyways. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk about some stuff that's been going on this week, um, maybe some stuff that we missed last week, um, and just do a roundup really and see uh, you know, see what's been going on, just get it out there. Um, just before we start, obviously, thanks for everybody that downloads the show, subscribes to the show, um, you know, you're the backbone of this thing and we appreciate it. <clears throat> and just for any new listeners that are out there, you can get us across SoundCloud where you can subscribe or download. Um, you can get us obviously on iTunes uh, and the Apple Podcast app. You can find us there, subscribe, rate, feedback, all that good stuff as well. And we're also on TuneIn, which is a radio app. And we're also on Stitcher, uh, I believe it is. Um, and our struggles with Spotify continue, but we're working on it. I think, you know, once the numbers get to a level where we can't be ignored, then we won't be ignored. But for right now, they're just saying no, uh, no new, no new entries. But we all know that's a load of shit because it's a numbers game. So thank you for you guys uh, who are the numbers, who are the listeners, who are the ones that keep coming back. Um, as I said, you're the backbone of this thing. But you can get us across those platforms. And you can also get us on Facebook and Twitter by uh, using the handle at Quiet Part Loud. So, um, so go ahead and do that. We post some, you know, we post some stuff outside of the links to the shows uh, every now and again. We got to do better on that, and we will do better on that. Uh, just giving you more of a flavor of uh, of what that you know what that community space should actually feel like. But you know, I'm kind of torn. Fuck. Um, I'm kind of torn between, I just almost ruined my phone because I've got my headphones plugged into my phone and my elbow got caught on the wire and almost sent my fucking phone tumbling to its death. Um, but I got to have the headphones on because I'm expecting a call from America, um, about some business that I'm trying to close down, uh, before the weekend. So, um, anyways, that's fucking neither here nor there. I don't, what was I even talking about now? Um, uh, oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, with the Facebook community, like Twitter, I've got no problem with Instagram. You know, we're not really doing that because, it's not really that kind of thing, but maybe I will set up a separate account for the show on Instagram. I'm not sure. Generally, I just post uh, the new episodes uh, as they come up on my other Instagram, which is related more to like my fitness and my training and, and things like that. So um, what I was going to say was that, you know, there's an issue there for me a little bit around how much to engage with Facebook because, you know, Obviously, Facebook is a is a dirty motherfucker of a company. They're you know we've talked about Facebook in the past. You know we are the commodities that Facebook sell. You know Facebook doesn't give a shit about serving us. You know the truth or the stuff that we actually want to hear. It's you know the stuff that we're interested in or that we should be exploring or you know it's a completely censored platform and uh, and it's a controlled platform where you know, they are working for the advertisers and, you know, and the government entities that they work with. They're not working for the users. They couldn't give a fuck 
less about the users. And what I found out recently was if you do promotion on Facebook, right? And this is the same for Instagram. So if you do promotion on those, you are then flagged as a, a like a like a willfully paying customer. So I've done some ads in the past uh, for my fitness page on Facebook and also for the podcast as well, just to put the name out there a little bit. But what I didn't realize is that when you pay for a promotion on Facebook and Instagram, by the way, and I'm not sure about Twitter, but I imagine it would be the same thing if you wanted to pay for a sponsored tweet, is if you have a large following, which, you know, granted we don't, uh, you know, we're, we're a very small fish in a very, very big pond. And, and, you know, I understand that and I get that perspective. That's fine. But the process still applies. Um, so, for instance, say you've got 100,000 followers and you put a normal post out to them. Well, it's going to go and reach 100,000 followers, right? No. Once you get a substantial following across those social media platforms, they then forcefully restrict the distribution of that content to the entire list, especially if you've already paid for a promoted post. So if you've promoted your page on Facebook, your business on Facebook, if you've promoted um, yourself as, let's take an Instagram model or something like that, you know, who pays for a promoted post, um, they will then restrict you more with your normal posts because you're flagged as a willing, um, a willing, a willing to pay customer, right? You are now ticked as someone who will pay for advertising through the platform. And so they'll restrict you unless you pay for it. And I've seen this happen on a small scale with myself. Um, but I've also been hearing more and more about it, uh, from people who have more substantial following than we do. So, it's, I'm kind of torn in, ter- in terms of how much effort and engagement I actually put through Facebook when there are platforms like SoundCloud, you know, like iTunes, um, that I think are much more honest. They're just about the actual content of the user. They're not about, you know, a political slant or, you know, a reductionist view of distribution or exposure or anything like that. So I'm a little bit torn on that in terms of how we go forward, but we still do put new episodes up there. So you can go and check out, um, check out the Facebook uh, page and the Twitter feed and all of that. And again, that's at quiet part loud. So sorry, a bit of house cleaning up front. That's about fucking six, seven minutes of that, eight minutes of that. So apologies for that. Um, but getting into it, right? Obviously, we've talked about Facebook and, and, and what's been going on with, with that. And I've voiced some concerns on that in past shows to my friends and family and stuff like that. But just recently, it's become even more blatant how much they're manipulating the platform. I mean, for about three days straight, I saw the same post at the top of my feed every time um, I went on to Facebook. I saw the same stories uh, that were from pages that I follow on Facebook. There was no variety. Um, everything was being kind of funneled into a subject matter. Like if you like a a cute video of dogs or something, they're going to fucking inundate you with that kind of shit. Right. Um, similarly, if you like a post that says Hillary Clinton's a terrorist, they're going to start feeding you unless they block the page completely. They're going to start feeding you content that you're seemingly aligned with. And I don't like that. I don't like the fact that they're taking some of the free choice away from it. I don't like the fact that they're censoring some of these conservative um, pages on Facebook. I'm not a conservative. I'm, I'm conservative in some ways, but I'm not conservative across the board, as I don't think, you know, many people are, um, unless they're sort of religious, you know, religious fanatics or something like that. Um, I just... I've got a bit of a bad taste in my mouth, as I'm sure a lot of people do, about Facebook and how it's handling its current operations. Um, you know, that that is one thing, you know, it doesn't even go into the fact that, you know, they've had multiple data leaks uh, over the past 12 months that they just don't seem to give a shit about. So putting that investment into things um, and putting your faith into these, you know, these tech institutions is, you know, is kind of as foolish as thinking that, Theresa May is working on the behalf of the British public when she says that there's no other option um, than to go with the deal that she's made. You know, this is really starting to fucking 
piss me off now because, you know, she's come to the table and she said, we've got a deal. We've agreed a deal with the EU, right? But hasn't said anything specific about it. Nothing specific about it has been talked about in terms of, you know, free movement, you know, medical supplies, medication, uh, you know, fisheries, like what, like nothing's been outlined. Nothing has been outlined. No policy has been outlined for us, what the deal is. And she's saying, well, on December 11th, then they're going to either vote for my deal or they're going to get a no deal, which is going to be terrible because the Bank of England have come out and said, you know, we could suffer a six to 9% drop in our GDP um, just as a result of us having to pay between 60 and 100 billion to Europe for leaving the EU. I mean, this is just the most asinine type of shit now. And I, I see her answering questions this morning about, you know, what's going to happen if, like, they're asking her, you know, how could, would you let this happen if, would you let this happen if, and she's smirking. There's something about this that she thinks that she can smirk through, like she's got some secret code that's going to make everything all better. What I hope she grasps, which I don't see any indication of, is that we're the ones and the generation that's coming up behind us are the ones that are going to suffer for this because you're not giving me any definitive analysis in terms of what this looks like after the fact. And the simple fact is you can't because there's no model to base it on because we've been in the EU for 40 odd years and most of the people that voted to get us out were not around before that. And the ones that were lived in a very different England and UK than it is now, right? Very different time, a lot more conservative, you know, all of that stuff. You know what I'm talking about. But um, I find this asinine that she's got the goal to sit there and smirk in front of these, you know, in front of these this Q&A session. Like, my job is to focus on delivering the results of the vote for Brexit. And that's what I intend to do. It's like, well, can you be specific? What is happening? What are we getting? What are we giving up? We know categorically now that we're going to be worse off financially, which should raise alarm bells in a lot of people's minds. In addition to the stuff that's going on in America, the fact that we're going through this and could potentially see, you know, a, a six to 9% drop in our GDP. Like, do you want to just plunge yourself into a recession? Like, what do you think is going to be the result of that? So, her, I get why she's got to appear to have the fortitude to see this thing through and to, you know, to kind of go out on her sword, as it were, like, my way or nothing, ah, freedom. Like, I get that bullheadedness to stand up and say, no, I'm not going to be pushed around. But, the simple fact of the matter is that this is not going to get through Parliament by the sounds of it. So then we're heading towards a no dick, a no, a no dick, a no deal Brexit, which is again something we don't even know anything about. We just know that that's worst case scenario. Well. Best case scenario doesn't sound like a very good scenario at the moment. And I don't know what anybody else out there thinks. And I know plenty of um, plenty of folks that supported the Leave campaign. I was not one of them. Simply because nobody was saying anything about the details. And the devil is in the details. Right? Everything is in the nuance. Everything is in the context. Everything is in the details of this, the small print. You gotta put a magnifying glass and a spotlight on the small print. You gotta break it down for me and you gotta give it to me in bullet point form. That's what I wanna know. I wanna know what the fuck is going on, what we're agreeing to and what we're giving up, what we're getting in return and why this is gonna be better or worse or completely un, you know, completely unchanged. But nobody did any of that. And one of the big reasons why this vote 
to leave went through is because Boris Johnson and Nat- Nigel Farage were rolling around the country on a fucking bus that said we're going to get $350 million, 350 million pounds a week back for the NHS. They also went around saying this is going to stop the borders and no more illegal immigrants are going to be able to come in and fucking take your jobs and, and, and fuck up your streets and blah, blah, blah. All lies. All garbage. And the fact that the process has been such a clusterfuck since the jump and the fact that the decision was based upon lies and misinformation that we categorically know now to be the case, I think the only thing left to do is return this back to the public and say, guys, the information you've got is the information you're getting. What do you want to do? You get another go at this. And if you feel the same way, then we'll go with a no-deal Brexit. It has to be the citizens' will, right? And I know I hear people out there saying, well, the citizens' will already voted to leave. They did. They, they, they voted to trigger <clears throat> Article 50, which was the process of leaving the European Union. That process has been so incompetently handled that I don't know anybody that voted for the Leave campaign that is happy with the process now and is happy with where we currently stand on our position, in our policy, across the board in terms of what will happen to the UK if we leave. With this deal that Theresa May has agreed with the EU or a no-deal Brexit, I would say that the Leave supporters have less information now than they did when they actually voted for it. Because like I said, they saw these big shiny numbers and these big top line policy claims. And for the folks that voted to leave from a demographic point of view, you could understand why those two things were major, major factors in the decision that they made. Right? More money for healthcare, more money for the NHS, and no more illegal immigrants. Who do you think that that favors? Well, just go and search Brexit vote map, and you'll and you'll see exactly what that means. Okay, so anybody that wants to say, "Oh, there's not a demographic thing to this," no, maybe there are instances whereby someone outside of you know the the sort of picture that you can paint about what a Leave voter looks like. There are exceptions to all rules, of course, but that map shows a pretty distinctive way of thinking about how come we need the NHS and how badly we want to restrict the movement of immigrants. I'm just saying, let's be fucking honest here, because other than that, nobody knew anything. I've had multiple, multiple, multiple conversations with people about Brexit, both those that I would consider to have a head on their shoulders, you know, a light bulb switched on, and those that have no business, you know, can barely even fucking spell Brexit, right? Across the board. You get the same level of clarity in most instances. And again, there are exceptions to the rule, but I think the fact that we're sitting here now, 13 days away from this vote, is an appalling prospect at what our future could hold with the news that's come out over the past couple of days. And I worry for what is going to happen if we flounder and fuck this up. Like, I say we, and it's a proverbial we, of course. But what they have fucked up and the way that they've handled this transition period or this, you know, negotiation of, ex, you know, of, um, of extraction has been appalling. It's been embarrassing to watch. And all the people that have come and gone should be absolutely ashamed of themselves because it is a a farce. The people are suffering. People are worried. People are apprehensive. People don't know what is going on and nobody is helping them. And that is a terrible position to be in. And it it provides the least amount of comfort, confidence, and willingness to support your government that you can imagine. They don't know what they, Theresa May sitting there with a smirk on her face in the House of Commons in front of this, you know, inquiry that she's sitting in front of uh, this morning. And she's smirking. She's smugging. She's trying to be, you know, rebellious and rebellious and and, and, and kind of like, you know, defiant and, and strong and bold. And, and, and it comes across as arrogant, misinformed, misguided and out of touch with the population. And I think it's gross. 
so I, I think the only thing that we can do now, the only sensible thing to do, because if it does fail on the 11th, I think the only thing to do now is turn it back over to us and, um, and, and let, us, let us have another crack at it. And if the chips fall, then the chips fall. Um, but I just have a feeling that it would be a resounding let's remain. And the last you know, year or so, however long it's been, and the fucking millions that they've spent on this process will all be for nothing. And I think either way, this is pretty much signaling the end of Theresa May, which for me, I say good riddance, see you later. Um, you know, I didn't vote for her. I didn't want her in. I didn't ask for this referendum. You know, this is this is fucking Tory bullshit that's had nothing but a negative impact on this country. You know, um, this universal credit is another thing. It's disgusting. Like we just need these people out, man. They're just they're not doing anything for this country. And um, you know, the farther we get Boris Johnson away from the leadership, the better. Um, you know, so. Turn it back over to the people. Let us have another crack at it and we'll decide what's gonna happen. Um, we gave you a crack to get us out based on the people's vote and you've fucked it up beyond belief. So now we want another say and we want and we want to have another go at it. So give it back to us is the last thing I'll say on that. Um, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting time all around the world at the moment. You got the G twenty coming up next week and or next week I think it's next week and uh, you know you've got people calling on her to stay around here and and you know she's not going to be around here. She's going to be you know she's going to be in Argentina for 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 this summit and um, yeah it's just going to wait till she gets back or wait till this vote. Um, but the G20 is an interesting one because the most powerful nations in the world that are more and more leaning towards authoritarianism are all getting together to have a chin wag. And, you know, while you've got Donald Trump, you know, having troops, authorizing troops to blow tear gas at, you know, at these people coming up through the caravan that are coming to the border, I mean... Land of the free and home of the what? Bring us your tired, your your desperate, and your what? Like, fucking hell, man. You know, you got Russia. They're they're attacking the Ukraine boats. They've Ukraine have had to announce martial law on the southern border. You know, like what is going on? What is going on? It's just it's blowing my mind a little bit right now. I just, I, for me, I don't understand how in this day and age, we're still seeing in first world countries, children who are with their parents looking for some sort of reprieve from a third world country arriving to be met with tear gas, like they're automatically criminals. Like, yes, they're illegal aliens, but God damn it, man, there's a fucking process to maintaining human rights, civil rights, and a discourse that puts you at the leadership of all the other countries in the world. And with this piece of shit at the helm, it is just deteriorating by the day. I mean, I, I read the transcript of his interview in the, in the post, and um, when you actually read the man's words, Donald Trump I'm talking about, when you actually read the man's words and you see how incoherent he is with formulating sentences and thoughts and ideas, it just removes any sort of any sort of willingness to placate his audience. I know we have to engage with them and we have to, you know, hear what they're saying, but it's such absurdity at the moment. If you are listening to this guy digesting his information and then coming to the conclusion that this is the best person to be in power currently, I mean, it's just been turned, it's just been discovered now that Paul Manafort, who struck a plea deal with Robert Mueller, has been lying and has had his plea deal removed because they found out that he was meeting with Julian Assange in the Ecuadorian embassy in London 
throughout his time on the campaign with Trump. I mean, it's super convenient that the leaked emails came from WikiLeaks during the same exact period. So, you know, she's getting real fishy around that. And, you know, I, I feel like a bit of a fucking dumbass by coming out and saying, you know, WikiLeaks is the kind of, you know, cutthroat, you know, no, uh, no holds bars information release that we need. And now if he turns out to be just someone who is, you know, mastered by the highest bidder, then he should be arrested for that, <laughs> you know? So it's a big, it's a big, deep, dark motherfucker, really. And, you know, until everything is all wrapped up, I think most people are just out here speculating and don't really know what the hell is going on. But, you know, it doesn't look good. Let's put it that way. You know, you've got Ivanka using, you know, emails, uh, business emails and, you know, government emails from a private, you know, from her own personal email address, like, you know, doing what Hillary did, but saying, oh, no, it's different. It's different what I did. You know, it's uh, the better we can get rid of this family in power, the fucking the better everybody off. Everybody is going to be. Um, this is just so bad for so many people. And, you know, simply the fact that this motherfucker won't denounce Saudi Arabia is, you know, while his own kind of his own administration, you know, other parts of it are trying to, you know, calm down the, 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 the genocide that's happening in Yemen at the hands of Saudi Arabia powered and brought to you by uh, the American military industrial complex. I mean, you know, we're so tightly woven, not we, I say we, they're so tightly woven with Saudi Arabia that the bombs that are falling on Yemen are being traced back to um, to American manufacturing, you know. So you've got that going on in Yemen. You've got the complete degradation of human rights at the southern border of America with these migrants that are coming over in this caravan. And uh, I just wonder how long people are going to actually keep putting up with it are they gonna let this ride out the democrats are apparently now that they got the house back investigating every possible thing they can only problem with that is you might dilute your efforts and i think you need to really focus them on you know something that you can get to stick so it's gonna be interesting because Mueller, i think is gonna be probably wrapping up relatively soon um and then we'll find out you know, what's actually been going on and, and what the full scope of this thing is. So um, interesting times ahead, but it's definitely the best series on TV at the moment. That's for sure. And what else has been going on in this colorful world of ours? Oh, I touched on um, last 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 show. I, I talked about uh, this Takeshi 6ix9ine character, this stupid fucking idiot rapper with the pink uh, rainbow bright hair and the tattoos all over his face. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I heard a little bit more about what he did and apparently he's been charged with like racketeering which is like impersonating like a criminal enterprise um, and like hanging out with like known gangsters and shit but apparently the judge told him like don't uh, don't like you can't associate with these you can't have gang violence or gang affiliated connotations in your music or in your videos or on your social media and if you do you're in violation of probation and uh we're also going to throw these other charges at you um you know because you're pretending to be something that you're not um and it's detrimental and causing harm and you can't be f brandishing firearms so what did he do he fucking jumped on to some video with a gun and you know acting hard and calling out this gang and that gang which he was specifically told not to do by the judge and so the judge banged him up so you're a fucking loser pal and anybody that idolizes this kid is a fucking loser as well it's really really pathetic the the state of affairs going on in hip-hop currently you know um and i miss it being the art form that it was, man. Most Def and Talib and fucking Biggie and, you know, Gangstar and, you know, Big L and Nas. And like, this was, this was an art form, you know, Black Thought and the Roots. Like, obviously some of these people are still doing it, but there's so much of this mumble rap bullshit and whatever you want to call this Xanax rap or whatever you want to call it, um, just flooding our airways. And I don't listen to it, but 
you know, I know kids do, and it's shit. So that guy's going to jail for life, and uh, yeah, you're a bad guy. Because apparently he was like, apparently his his initial charge was like assault of a woman or like sexual assault of a woman or something like that. Like the guy's just a piece of shit, so you can't keep him out, right? Because if he stays out, he's just going to keep, you're just justifying his behavior to him and he's going to continue doing that. So you can't do that. <laughs> um, but speaking of pieces of shit, um, so I don't know how many of you guys listening are like sports fans. And, and when I say sports fans, I don't mean... Uh, English sports, I mean American sports, and specifically I'm talking about the NBA. So anybody that, uh, maybe you know this just because you've seen it in the news, I don't know, but there's a there's an NBA player called Dwight Howard, plays for the Houston Rockets. Uh, I think he does anyways, at least that's who he used to play for. Um, <laughs> yawning, sorry, rude. Um, so anyways, Dwight Howard, big six foot ten, built like a superhero, um, you know, played for the Lakers for a stint. Him and Kobe had some problems. You know, I've never been a big fan of his, uh, simply because I felt like he lacked, he lacked the hard edge that you should have if you're six foot 11, 300 pounds, built like a fucking, you know, built like a fitness model, uh, but athletic as hell. Um, but he was just, he always seemed a bit soft. Well, it turns out, or at least allegedly turns out, that he's gay and he was messing around with some uh, transgender or some uh, cross-dressing uh, character who dressed like a woman but was a dude or something like that. Um, I'm kind of talking out of my ass because I don't know all the details, but apparently that's what's happened. And then this person, this piece of shit, has like outed him on social media, which... You know, the NBA, as progressive as it is, still doesn't have any openly gay players, right? Like, I think, who was it? John Amici that came out after retirement? You know, clearly there are uh, gay players in the NBA and WNBA. But as we've seen in the NFL and other major sports in the U.S. and in North America, this is still not widely accepted. They can claim all the civil rights. They can claim all the Colin Kaepernick you know, don't kneel, kneel initiatives that they want to, you know, fight for our equality and all that. But it, it is ultimately in the grand scheme of things, in my opinion, a bit of a farce because they still don't, um, they still don't accept openly gay players in any of the major sports. Name one, name one basketball. No NBA or basketball, NBA. No, uh, major league baseball. No, uh, NHL hockey. No NFL football fuck no so there's still a real problem but we want to play this initiative where it's like oh everything's all hunky-dory and we're all about equality and Colin Kaepernick is standing up for black people and everybody has to get behind him and Nike's behind him for a movement well what's up with this because there's a couple of issues here and one is obviously the corporate issue and the and the and the you know and the league issue that I was kind of going down there as well but also I think the underlying issue is who gives a fuck who somebody else is putting their dick in? Like, who who do you care? Why do you care who Dwight Howard is fucking or not? Like, LeBron James could come around tomorrow and be like, hey, guys, like, here's here's Roger. You know, like, uh, who gives a fuck? If he's still putting up triple doubles for the Lakers, the Laker fans are still going to love him. So I don't understand what this miscon this this misfiring is between our perceived exception uh, inclusion uh, in these leagues. You know, like everybody wants to stand up and say, you know, I fucking hate Trump and the way he's dealing with these guys and the way he's dealing with this population and the way he speaks is horrendous and blah 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 blah. You know, and you'll hear this from celebrities and you'll hear this from um, you'll hear this from uh, athletes and things like that. But inside their own league. They are not actively standing up for the promotion of uh, inclusion of homosexuals, uh, gay, lesbian, transgender. You're not hearing this. You're not hearing this. So my question is, how come the league's not coming out to Dwight Howard's defense? How come his fucking teammates aren't coming out to his defense? How come LeBron James isn't coming up out to his defense? How come Stephen Curry's not coming out to his defense? You know, I haven't seen any of this. 
I haven't seen any of this. What I've seen is pieces of shit on the internet posting pictures that they've taken with Dwight Howard, who's given up his time to come and, you know, take a picture with this little fucking dweeb who's been hanging on, you know, waiting for a snap so he can post it on on social media and say he met somebody that somebody's going to know because nobody gives a fuck about him. And then he turns around and he makes a comment like, oh, I had to oh, now I'm so grossed out that I had to shake this, like, gay-ass Dwight Howard's hand or whatever he said, you know, and he's a fucking Muslim. And it's like, okay, cool, so you're double par for the course, right? You're double par for the course because you're a piece of shit in general, but then let's scratch the surface a little bit and check out that religious aspect of you being a piece of shit as well because you can only be that big of a piece of shit if you have a religious doctrine that you're consumed by. Because all this religious freedom bullshit goes out the window when it's talking about what happens in between the sheets, right? And let me tell you about the closet homosexuality that happens in repressive societies. Namely things like fanatical Islam and conservative Islam. Right? Let me tell you about that. Because it's rampant 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 but you got this little maggot coming on social media saying ugh when a pro athlete's taking the time out to come over and take a snap with your stupid funky ass and then you want to claim like you're this person of inclusion and acceptance and moral uh compass and and i'm on the high ground and all this shit and then you make a homophobic slur like that ha but let somebody say something about muhammad right let somebody say something about the Quran being a made-up book of fiction and you're ready to tear their fucking head off, literally. What do you care who Dwight Howard's fucking? Who do you care who anybody else is fucking? What difference does it make to you? But also, why are his uh, contemporaries and why are his teammates not coming to his defense in the way they should? I'm not a big fan of Dwight Howard on the court, but a man should not be put on blast like this for his sexual proclivities. He's not hurting anybody. Leave him the fuck alone. What are we doing here? You know? Makes me mad. We can do so much better, and we're not, and it doesn't even seem like we're trying. Like, the world is heading towards another recession for all intents and purposes from the market trends that I'm seeing and yet, I see people just being blasé about it. Don't give a fuck. It's, it's crazy to me. You've got these injustices happening all over the world. You've got a government in the UK that can't even get a negotiation on a separation deal that we didn't even ask for until they brought it up. And they can't get it right. You got a president who's fucking everything up from international trade to international relations to domestic prosperity because I'm telling you what, if you go to America's farmland and ask those motherfuckers how they're, um, how the tariffs and the trade wars going on their farms, they might just stick you with a pitchfork. Don't go up to Detroit and start asking people who are affiliated with GM about what they think about Trump's policies because they're moving factories out. They're not building factories. They're moving shit out. Because what people don't understand is that the supply chain is not the supply chain is not dominated by one country. We do not live in a siloed world anymore. There has to be international trade. He's saying that he wants free trade. That is bullshit. He doesn't want free trade. He wants free trade for America. He doesn't want free trade. He wants free trade for America. He does not want an even playing field. And so when the world fights back, he tries to bully him and it is not working out. I'm telling you, when this motherfucking recession comes, you're going to know about it. You're going to know about it bad. So all this chaos, all this nonsense is starting to piss me off a little bit. I'm trying to stay positive because I'm on a good, I'm in a good place and I'm going on holiday soon and I'm starting to feel relaxed and I don't have much work to do for the rest of the year. I'm almost at the finish line for the year, guys. But some of this stuff is winding me the fuck up. And I think <clears throat> we need to start paying attention to it. And I'm going to call a guy out right now and, uh, and, and I'm going to tag him when I put this on Twitter because 
I don't appreciate being ignored by people who I pay to be in certain positions. And I know that's a bit of an asshole thing to say when you're talking about civil servants and, and politicians and things like that. But guys, it is true. You pay these salaries, they are answerable to you. Not to their colleagues in Parliament, to their constituents. So Matthew Pennycock, who represents the um, uh, Greenwich Borough, who is the uh, shadow Brexit minister or whatever he is, I emailed him regarding a murder or attempted murder, I should say. Pardon me. Let me track back a little bit. A woman at 7 p.m. in the evening was walking to the grocery store to grab herself some dinner and was attacked by an Asian man with a machete. Luckily, he hit her with the broad, with the blunt side of the blade, you know, the top end of the blade, and only cracked her skull, knocked her to the floor where he continued to beat her until neighbors came out when hearing her screaming, which made the man casually walk away. Now, why people didn't chase him, I can imagine the man had a machete and that's not somebody you wanna just aimlessly run after and try to apprehend, that's the police's job. But I emailed Matthew Pennycock about this two weeks ago and I haven't heard anything back. And this is a major fucking problem for me because I'm sick and tired of public representatives and civil servants not paying attention to who they are answerable to. He is answerable to me because a citizen of his borough as I am, someone who pays their taxes, owns a mortgage, and contributes to this economy in a significant way, deserves to have his fucking questions answered when he poses them to the politician representing his area. Now, when it is in concern with a woman being attacked at dusk in the middle of a busy street, it is an urgent request. And the fact that I haven't heard from this politician makes me believe that this guy, like all other politicians, is in it for his own benefit, his own gain, and his own prosperity. And really doesn't give a fuck about the citizens of his borough. And needs to be checked accordingly and reminded who he works for. Okay? Because he's not done anything to stop the development of these disgusting apartment blocks that are coming in and destroying the skyline of Greenwich. He is not responding seamless, seemingly to the concerns of the citizens of his borough being attacked in broad daylight because knife attacks and homicides on knife attacks in London, extrapolating a bit now, a little bit wider now, Matthew, but extrapolating out what the knife crime is in London, well, in terms of that, we've had more murders than New York has this year, okay? So we're not in a good place. And the fact that you haven't seemed to take any urgency in this request or this letter of intent where I suggested you need to put an initiative forward where we have CCTV cameras on every street corner of this borough is a very achievable way to help negate some of these problems. They couldn't find the man that attacked the woman with the machete. Why? Because it had just gone dark and they couldn't chase him because they feared that they would be attacked as well. And I've had no update on whether or not this man's been arrested, found, or whatever. But I've got a wife out there right now that's trying to do her job. And the laws are such in this country where it's illegal for her to carry pepper spray or anything to defend herself with. So we got her some emergency stuff instead, and she'll protect herself with that. But that's not going to stop a machete coming over the top of her head or any other person who's been a victim of a crime in this borough. But the fact that the politician that's represented, who has been elected to represent the people of this borough, doesn't take the time to respond to emails is a goddamn problem. So I think we need a bit of an upgrade. Because if this guy does not come back to me and does not give me a viable reason why he can or cannot action my request for the safety of the people who live in, these, in this area, he loses my vote categorically. And not only that, but I'm going to go on a mission to discredit him at every single opportunity I can. Because what do we always talk about on this show? We talk about accountability. Accountability. Accountability to yourself, 
to your family, to your job, to the people who have a dependency on you. <clears throat> and more importantly, people who have picked you over others to represent them and to represent them in parliament, but also to look after their best interests right here on their front doors. And you're not doing that, Mr. Pennycook or Pennycock or whatever your name is. But we have a problem. We have a problem if you're ignorant to these issues. We're, we have a real problem if you just refuse to address them. And we have a massive problem if you refuse to engage with your constituency. And I'm not talking in your group thinks, meetings, whatever, where you get the microphone and everybody has to wait to be called on. No, 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 no. Open dialogue, fluid dialogue, open communication, real discussions about what the issues are and no politics talk. No round the corner answers, no circumventing the point or the actual issues or the actual questions. Be direct. Be substantiative. And take action. If not for us, for your own political future, because I swear to God, man, if I don't see something back from you, then we've got an issue. And I will be voicing my opinion. And I will take all of my energy and focus it on you not being in that office anymore. And I'll do everything I can to make sure that you're not reelected. Unless you show me that the reason I voted for you was a good one. So we can leave that there. The increase in violence cannot stand. Sadiq Khan saying knives are a problem in, England, in, in London. You think? Still haven't heard anything on a stop and search. Oh, we don't want to be insensitive. We don't want to be insensitive. Let's not hurt people's feelings. People are getting stabbed in broad daylight every single day in this city. It is a fucking epidemic and the leaders of our community are not doing anything. The ones that are elected and paid a handsome salary are not doing anything. Our government continues to slash resources from the key departments and institutions that protect us. This cannot stand anymore, guys. This cannot stand. We have to be open and vocal towards these people directly. And if Theresa May's got too much on her plate, well, then she should not be in the job. Get out of it. And if your local council member cannot handle multiple things, then they need to set priorities or they need to get out of the job. The time for games is over. People are fucking around way too much and taking liberties way too much. It seems like incompetence is accepted in every walk of life, except the ones I seem to find myself in. I can't be incompetent for a day. Shit will start to fall apart. So how come the people that I elect can? They can get away with this. They can get away with flipping answers, flipping adherence to any policy or, or, or promises that they make. They can get away with not communicating. Do you know what would happen if I didn't get back to a client's email in three weeks? Fuck out of here. This guy's dealing with Brexit, is he? Or he's watching the other guy deal with Brexit and he's there criticizing so he can have a, a spot on BBC News at fucking 6 p.m. Not having it, Mr. Pennycook. Not having it. Or Pennycock, whatever your name is. Not having it. Step up or get the fuck out. Because we pay a lot of money to have you in place. We have a lot, we pay a lot of money to be in this borough. We pay a lot of money and get very little in return. I'm looking out my window right now as I do this show and I see litter across the street. You know? My council tax goes up. My electricity, my utilities go up. Everything goes up. Everything goes up. Except the standard of quality in our politicians' behavior. So it's time to step up. It's time to be accountable. And I wrote to you concerned about a neighbor's well-being because she was attacked at 7 o'clock at night with a machete in London 
in 2018 and you haven't responded yet, that is a problem. Now that's the last I'll say on it. Because I want to voice my opinion on something else as well. Slightly left turn. Going back into the world of sports. But there was a fight on last weekend between two uh, former UFC champions and, you know, legends of the sport who are now, you know, let's say past their prime to be polite. But I'm talking about Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell. And all I can say is that Dana White's response was bang on the money. To me, to me, this was a disgrace. To me, this was something that never should have happened. Uh, to me, this is, you know, this is two guys that, well, one definitely that needs some cash. Uh, you know, Chuck Liddell is almost 50. He slurs his words. He's clearly already got brain trauma. He's slow. Um, you know, yeah, he looked in shape. But he got knocked out in the first fucking round. Imagine if you would have got honey dicked into buying that pay-per-view, listening to all the MMA commentators out there saying, oh, you might as well check it out. What a fucking shit show. And the fact that it was even licensed is a goddamn problem. Because we can't just allow fighters to go off their own fighter mentality and say, hey, I fancy it. I'm still up for it. Got a fighter's heart, so I'm going to fight. No. No. It has to be more considered than that. The accountability factor has to be more than that. We have to look after fighter safety if they're not willing to do it themselves. And this for me was a perfect example. I mean, Oscar De La Hoya doesn't give a fuck about any of these guys. He couldn't even remember their names when he was doing when he was uh, like presenting them on stage. It was a disgrace through and through. And, um, and it was really sad to see. And I'm not going to labor on the point because there's no point in doing that. Um, I'll just say that it, it, it's a setback. It's a setback. And the more we go down this road and, you know, now you've got Michael B. Jordan wanting to fight Roy Jones Jr. It's like, what the fuck are we doing? And, you know, uh, Sage Northcutt and, um, and that, uh, what's his name? fucking Aaron Paul YouTuber guy, like, they're talking about having a fight. And it's just like, this is what happened with the NBA. They took all of the actual beauty of the sport away and diluted it down for as many eyeballs as possible. And it's gross. When they started removing the defensive aspect of basketball, the hand checking, the contact, all of that, I was out. I was out. And it's become a more and more pussified game with less and less contact, more and more offense, which is equal to a dumbed down, watered down version of a beautiful game, in my opinion. And when you start bringing celebrities into the fight game for the sake of getting eyeballs, which the UFC has done complicitly with Brock Lesnar and with CM Punk and, you know, James Tony, and, you know, now you've got shit like you know, Bellator doing, uh, what was it, Hoist, Hoist Gracie and Ken Shamrock, and I mean, it's just a farce, it's a farce, and I want nothing to do with it, so from now on, I'll only be supporting the UFC or any of the fight game when it's legitimate competition and legitimate contest that you can actually put some, you know, some some thought into you know disseminating who's going to win why and the fact that you're looking at prime athletes not over the hill athletes that already have fucking brain trauma so that's all i'm going to say about that i don't want to labor it but um i just thought it was really sad to see and it should never have happened and i absolutely agree with dana white's statement on oscar de la hoya being a fucking piece of shit i don't know anything about his drug use but he's clearly a fucking idiot um he looked like he was wired on stage and if i know anything about that he was definitely wired on stage so um so he's a piece of shit anybody that sanctioned this fucking fight is a piece of shit um for me, it's gross misconduct, and they should be removed from the fight game altogether. Never be allowed to participate again. Go find another job.
You don't deserve to be in this game. Go find another job. Beat it. You can keep making a living. You just can't do it in the sport that you're ruining. So fuck off. All right? That's how I feel about it. So, yeah. You know, but this is it. I mean, we just, we just gliding through, letting all this shit happen. And it's like I said a couple shows ago, you know, you're going to go through life and you're going to do the best you can, hopefully. And you're going to work towards being the best version of yourself that you can. But for me, each day boils down to a series of conflicts between the right way and the easy way. And way too often, people choose the easy way. And very, very few times will the easiest way be the right way to do something. Because anything that's worth doing is worth doing the right way. And the right way, more times than not, is really, really hard. You've got bumps and bruises along the way. You've got peaks and troughs along the way. It is going to be a roller coaster of a journey. And the series of conflicts that you face every day in what you eat, what you do, how you exercise, how you love, how you treat people, how you think about yourself, how you deal with anxiety and stress, how you, you know, handle your finances, all of this stuff is a series of conflicts that happens internally between the right way to do something and the easy way to do something. It's easy to discard people and just walk by them. It's easy to not pay attention to what people are saying and just be stuck to your phone. It's easy to just grab and go and eat shit food and you know, not focus on preparing a meal and, and eating healthy and wholesome. You know, it's, um, it's easy to ignore your partner after you've been together for a number of years and not pay them attention and not look them in the eyes like it was the first time when you saw them. It's easy to do the wrong thing or to do less than you should. It's way harder to do the right thing with care and consideration and accountability. You know, there's that word again, right? Accountability. It's so much harder to do the right thing consistently, time and time again. But God damn it, are the payoffs so much more, so much more incredible, so much more fulfilling if you just choose to not half-ass it. The right way versus the easy way is a choice that will always be up to you. And, you know, the way you doubt things, the way you fear things, the way you are apprehensive or anxiety-ridden over things, these things are not easily beaten. They're not something that you can just knock on the head one time and they're gone. But they're not invincible. They're not to own you. They're not to control and consume your life. Your life is right in front of you. And I certainly realize this more and more every day and work on it consciously to be a more present person and not to be sucked into the vortex of digital tech and social media and all this garbage. <clears throat> but rather to put that down and see what's actually happening three foot in front of your face or five foot in front of your face or 10 foot in front of your face or just down the street a little bit or look up in the sky and just 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 have a look rather than being in a you know in a six inch screen or seven inch screen all day it's the right way versus the easy way and if Doing the right thing was easy. Everybody be doing it. But it's not. It takes effort. It takes focus. It takes consistency. It takes the ability to overcome hardships. So what is your choice? Because the problems that you face are substantial, no doubt. Are difficult to overcome, no question. But are not impossible to beat. And the only thing that beats him is consistently doing the right thing. Consistently being accountable to the process. And consistently maintaining the faith in yourself that you are strong enough to do this. And more than capable of achieving it the whole way through. And once you realize that, then the right way becomes the only way. Because then you can fall in love with the process. Because you know what the outcome is likely to be. So, 
until next time guys all the best <laughs>